0: What up, 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 all of you Ugnaughts and Jawas out there. And welcome to a new episode of Mando Talk, your home for Ahsoka Breakdowns Discussion. This is your place for a companion podcast for the entire season, the entire run of the Ahsoka Series. I'm your host Caleb Keller and I'm eager to get into this. This is our part three breakdown episode and let's not waste any time. I will just say this. Make sure you subscribe on whatever platform podcast or YouTube platform you are listening on. If you will do me a favor on podcast platforms. Give us a five-star rating. That really, really, really helps. You don't really even have to type in a review. Just hit the five stars, rate it, and that's it. Now, if you want to leave really kind words, that would be fantastic. And if you're on YouTube, smash the like, leave a comment. All of those great things that help the algorithm. Do that. Okay, definitely wanted to get those plugs out there. Let's get into this breakdown. So... Director Steph Green. Steph Green directed the second episode. So another installment from Steph Green. Written by Dave Filoni. I think it's safe to say that he's going to be writing every single one of these episodes. So if I don't mention that in future episodes to come each week. It's because Dave Filoni wrote it yet again. I'll definitely mention it though. If we find out somehow that Dave Filoni didn't write an episode. Which I don't expect to happen. This episode was titled Part 3. Time to Fly. Now I will say... When I first saw that title, I thought, uh uh-oh, time to fly. Are we about to see this Eye of Scion take off into hyperspace and reach Peridia already? But that didn't happen, and I'm glad it didn't, because we're allowing the story to build and marinate to that big, climactic moment. And I really think so far, this season's doing a great job of sprinkling the breadcrumbs, all leading to... Grand Admiral Thrawn, and that massive re- reveal. So yeah, before we even get to the breakdown, on we're on Thrawn watch each and every single week, and I would say we're on Anakin watch each and every single week. Neither of those happen, but again, continuing to get us hyped up and ready for each and every single week as we get the episodes. Like, there's more, there's, there's just more and more and more to look forward to. More and more to look forward to. Okay, so, as I did last week, and as I'll do every single week, now we're going to run through the episode linearly, and I'll kind of reveal what happens, but also share my takeaways and my breakdown of it as we go. So, here we go. First moments of the episode. Our heroes are traveling through Lightspeed, and we see that Sabine is running through lightsaber training with Huang. Sabine is using a wooden replica saber referred to as a Bakken saber in the subtitles immediately reminding me of Kanan's requirement for Sabine to do that before she could get her hands on the dark saber in the Star Wars Rebels series. So again, I approached the podcast Like you, the listener, may not have seen Rebels. That way, anyone across the Star Wars spectrum can get something from this podcast. If you haven't seen Rebels, Sabine has trained with the Darksaber before, and she becomes very well-equipped to use that Darksaber. And we've seen training of her doing these motions before, and it was just really cool to see that connection. Continuing on here, really interesting how Hugh Blades give feedback from the training. I love that. That's something new to Star Wars, at least to my knowledge. And again, if you didn't know, I'm recording immediately after uh, after watching this episode. So I'm literally sitting here in the living room. Maybe not everything is digested where I can think of, like comics, video games, novels. But at least right now, right now, I don't think I've seen something like that. I really loved the blade feedback. That'd be very helpful and vital in jedi training and i'm thinking about it maybe you see that in Heang's clone wars episodes that's possible but it's just at least it's not on my mind right now a specific type of technique called zatochi is recommended by ahsoka but Heang says she isn't ready and while i'm thinking about it the the humor between Sabine and Yang is golden throughout this entire episode. And this episode does a really good job of establishing that these three have had history and they have a past and they have comfortability with each other with just small little dialogue hints. Like we we know so much about these three together without even actually having to see a flashback. And for me, in my opinion, that just displays a very solid written dialogue amongst those three in this episode. Next up, Ahsoka gives Sabine a visor that blinds her for some more... One-on-one training between Master and Apprentice here, between Ahsoka and Sabine. This obviously reminds me heavily of A New Hope, and I think even some of the dialogue that Sabine uses is eerily similar to what Luke Skywalker says when he first puts on a visor in A New Hope. Ahsoka alludes to Sabine learning to use the Force, so she's eventually going to connect with it at some point in this season. Like, she's, she's hinting to Sabine, like, yeah, you're, you're going to be able to learn to connect to the Force eventually. And that's a thread line that we see throughout this episode. So I know we've had heavy discussions on if we think Sabine's Force-sensitive or not. I think it's coming to the point where we're going to see Sabine slowly and more deeply connect with the Force each and every single week. Each and every single week, she's going to get a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. Ahsoka sneaks around Sabine as Sabine struggles with sensing where she is during this training with the blindfolded mask on. As expected, Sabine begins to get a little better before Ahsoka puts her in her place a little bit. Now, just this whole vibe of Master Apprentice training, all of this screams Star Wars to me. So this was very, I don't want to use the word formulaic because it's something that we've seen before so so much I would just say it's very much so in the DNA of Star Wars so I love this you could argue that it was slow but again I talked about it last week I eat this stuff up give me all of this slow marination spending some time with these characters just give me all of it I I, I just love this kind of stuff I love the dialogue I love the character buildup. And it just really, I think it's going to really pay off by the time we get to the end of the season. We cut to a massive New Republic fleet where Hera is seeking to speak with the Chancellor, who of course now is Mon Mothma, but she is warned that one of the senators with her is Ziona, Ziono, something along those lines. Again, after I watch it a few more times, the pronunciation of that name will become more clear to me. Mothma asks how young Jason is and alludes to him causing trouble with Chopper. So again, Jason is the son of Hera and Kanan Jarrus. Definitely gonna be force sensitive, you'd think, because Kanan's the the Jedi master in Star Wars Rebels. So that's gonna be potentially fun if we ever see it. Senator Xiona seems like an absolute problem. Now, it's been a while, folks. Heir to the Empire Trilogy. There is definitely in there, and I can't remember the character's name, but there is someone in the New Republic Senate that is essentially a mole for Thrawn. I've got my suspicions here. I think this Senator Ziono dude is, is secretly plugging things to the Empire, to these Imperial remains, to Thrawn, and he's trying to get the New Republic off of Thrawn's tracks, even though he knows that they are starting to get onto it. So he's he's trying to do something here. I'm just getting those vibes. Maybe he's just a dude that's I mean, he's he's kind of realistic with the things that he says in this scene. But Star Wars is so, like, Star Wars does, at least for me, I love how it's just right in your face. Like, if if there's a problem with a dude, we're going to be able to tell that there's a problem with a dude. And it's right there on the surface. And, and I'm really thinking that they're trying to show us or, or allude to us that we don't need to trust this senator at all well continuing on here Hera notifies Mothma about the events that transpired on Corellia and proposes that Thrawn is alive and has something to do with the events that are occurring and ask for a new Republic fleet to dig into this all all understandable requests Hera questions Ziona's credibility to be a senator and this is where uh, Hera gets pretty um I mean there's no other way to say it Pretty ballsy here. Like, she just stands up to this dude. um, Questions his credibility to be a senator of the New Republic since he did not fight in the war as he pushes back against getting involved with this pursuit of Thrawn. And he even declares it's essentially wishful thinking to believe Ezra or Thrawn are alive. So Hera and Ziona here are just going back and forth, back and forth, throwing punches, throwing haymakers. And it seems like Senator Ziona, at the end of the day, wins it. Wins this little skirmish that they have through dialogue here in, in this scene. After more attempts of convincing from Hera, Mon Mothma requests to speak with her colleagues to discuss their next action. And then as Hera walks out of the room, we see him. We see Jason Sindula. He appears as Chopper is with him. Excited to hear that Aunt Sabine is going to be a Jedi, and he expresses his desires to be a Jedi, too. Again, Filoni is very intentional with his storytelling. That dialogue, we are going to get payoff to, folks. We're going to come back to that, whether that be in Season 1 or Season 2 of Ahsoka, or who knows, maybe even his movie. But confirmed, At this point, I think we can say with absolute confidence, at some point in this franchise, we're going to see Jason Cindula become a Jedi. And that's going to be so satisfying. It's going to be so emotional for us Star Wars Rebels fans. And I'm going to absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. Okay. Next up, so I loved all of that scene. I loved the fact that we got Mon Mothma. I loved the fact that Mon Mothma was asking about Jason and just kind of establishing that Mon Mothma and Hera know of each other. They're familiar with each other. They're they're friends. You could potentially come. You could potentially have that assumption from this scene. I love the tension with this additional Senator Ziona. I love the fact that they're pulling and and getting some inspiration yet again from the Air of the Empire trilogy. I just loved all of this. I love this little political intrigue that we're getting here. Something that I really enjoy. That's the prequel prequel list in me that um, they can give me any of that whenever they want to. All right, we go back to Ahsoka and Sabine. Sabine wants to expedite her training process. She reveals she can't use the Force as she can't feel it. Ahsoka clarifies that the Force resides in all living things Even her, even you, Sabine, and maybe even us, the listener and myself, the forces in all of us. Sabine questions why everyone doesn't use it then, and Ahsoka says talent has something to do with it, but training and focus define success. Ahsoka leaves Sabine to start small, like attempting to move what I like to call a Star Wars coffee cup. That's what it looks like Ahsoka and Sabine are are dealing with here on this table, which, by the way, this is, what, three episodes now where we've seen Ahsoka sipping on that coffee? I relate to you, girl. As a parent, goodness gracious, coffee injected in my veins 24-7, and I could drink about four cups and still go to sleep. So, yeah, give me all the all the coffee vibes in Star Wars. I really dig it. I really dig it. Anyway, I love this scene, too. And I love the story here that Dave Filoni is trying to tell. I love this concept of you do not have to be a Skywalker to be powerful in the Force. Now, I know that's, that's not a reveal because we have so many Force-sensitive people out there that are non-Skywalker. But I love this idea that, okay, even further, let me repeat that and say it differently. I love this idea that you do not have to be Jedi or Sith to be powerful in the Force. There are other ways to connect with the force. And it's not just talent alone. It's hard work and dedication. You're talking about a powerful message for Star Wars to tell a young audience. That's a powerful message that not only a young audience needs to hear, but myself and everyone out there. Yes, there are people out there that are gonna be more talented than you. There's gonna be people out there that are more talented than me, for sure, more talented than me. But as long as we put our nose down, we grind, we put in the hard work, the dedication, we can be right there with the most talented individuals. That's the sport background in me coming out. That's the, the teacher in me coming out. That's just the me trying to become a better person each and every single day that I'm on this earth coming out. And when Star Wars portrays a lesson like that, Star Wars is clicking, in my opinion. So sorry to get really deep there, but that just really resonated with me. And I think that's what, and I'm bringing it up, I think that's what The Last Jedi was trying to do with having Ray's parents be nobodies, but then, of course, the sequel trilogy changed it up a little bit with Episode Nine. but we're not getting into that here. You can have your opinion on the sequel trilogy. I can have my opinion. We can still love each other. Uh, all good. Everything's good. But I love that story. I love that story of anybody can connect to the Force. You do not have to be Jedi, You do not have to be Sith. All right, moving on. And and we're definitely going to get some more payoff, like I said earlier. We're going to get more payoff with that later in this season, for sure. And if it didn't work for you in the sequel trilogy, as far as Ray's parents being nobodies, which in episode nine made them somebodies, so it's a little weird. If that didn't work for you, I think think it's going to work across the board here in Ahsoka, that that story is going to resonate with all of us. With all of us. All right, next up. He declares the Jedi Order wouldn't have accepted Sabine. Ahsoka challenges the Jedi Order standards as it did eventually fall. I loved that from Ahsoka. And that just makes sense. Like the Jedi became their own stumbling block, they caused their downfall. Obviously, Palpatine's very powerful and he pulled some strings. But the Jedi helped in that process, and Ahsoka recognizes that. heang mentions that there's been very few Mandalorians that are Jedi, so that is a great plug here at Mando Talk. We love some Mandalorian stuff. Of course, that's connecting to Tar Vizsla, and yeah, I'm going to go ahead and include him in the bubble. Grogu is going to be next up, right? Grogu is going to be the next Mandalorian Jedi at some point. Continuing on, Ahsoka clarifies that she doesn't necessarily need Sabine to be Jedi, but rather just be herself. Again, telling that story. You don't have to be Jedi or Sith to connect to the Force to do good in the galaxy. Next up, Sabine attempts to connect with the Force, saying out loud, the Force is in all of us. Again, there's that philosophical story that they're trying to tell here from Dave Filoni as she reaches out for the coffee cup, but nothing comes of it. Again, sprinkling the breadcrumbs. It's eventually gonna come, folks. But we're just getting the we're getting the setup. It's there's gonna be some good payoff eventually. Hera through hologram reveals the Senate committee did didn't, excuse me, the Senate committee didn't approve the mission, so she or the fleet wouldn't be joining them. And suddenly their comms are jammed and jammed. And whenever that happens in Star Wars, we know stuff's about to start going down and stuff did, in fact, start to go down. So our heroes drop out of hyperspace. Shin, Merrick, and four other ships begin attacking them. Ahsoka instructs Sabine to take the tail gun and space battle action ensues. And I loved, again, another piece of small, very small dialogue, but it's so important because it establishes that these characters have done some things together before. As soon as Sabine gets back there in that tail gun, in that tail gunner, she says, oh, I see you erased my programming or something along those lines. And again, as the audience, we all knew, oh, these these two have done some missions together. They've done some work together. Regardless if you've watched Rebels or not, you've you got you get that illusion, and and that's even filling the gap uh, of us as Rebel fans not knowing. Like this is telling a story in between Rebels and now filling in the gap of what Ahsoka and Sabine potentially did together. That's not something we've seen. So that's all of us, whether you've seen Rebels or not, being on the same level playing field. So anytime they do those little small things, fantastic. Dave Filoni, gosh, Dave Filoni, I got nothing but lovely things to say about that man. He's just absolutely crushing it with this series. All right, continuing. So we're in the space battle action now. After some initial rust of not working together in a while, Ahsoka decides to pilot in response to Sabine's needs rather than trying to impart wisdom on her. So this is the master learning to actually be a better master in this case. And this screams Kanan and Ezra. So I'm kind of pausing and talking to you, Rebel fans. This screams the dynamic of Kanan and Ezra. Half of Half of Rebels is about Ezra learning to become a Jedi, but the other half of Rebels is about Kanan learning to be a Jedi master and and seeing that being a master is just as difficult, if not more difficult, than being a Padawan. So it's so cool to see just, you know, it's it's poetry, it rhymes. It's cool to see that just pop back up here in live action with these two characters, with Ahsoka and with Sabine. Just those connections of Master and Apprentice continuing to come up. And we could even talk about Anakin and Ahsoka and how that's echoing now with Ahsoka again in her own life just through a different point of view. So just just really cool, really cool stuff. Next up, Sabine shoots down several ships as they begin to click a bit better together after several solid Star Wars ship maneuvers occur within this sequence. Like, Ahsoka kind of splits the difference between two of them, and it allows Sabine to, like, knock out two or three all at once. Fantastic stuff. Next up, Ahsoka flies onto Morgan Elsbeth's Eye of Scion. The fighters break off as Ahsoka... Excuse me. The fighters break off of Ahsoka as Morgan declares that she will take care of them as she begins firing on our heroes with rounds of turbo lasers. We do hear Merrick, or Marek, I've I've heard different pronunciations, whatever, you know who I'm talking about. We do hear Merrick say, as you wish, following Shin giving him orders here, And I could hear Sam Witwer being the voice behind him. I'm not saying that is 100% Sam Witwer's voice. What I'm saying is I could see that that is Sam Witwer being behind that voice. Like I could just see him being able to say as you wish in that way to where I could go ahead and make that prediction of I do really believe it's Sam Witwer at least voicing the character. I don't know if when this character does take off the mask, if ever, if it's actually gonna be Sam Witwer, though. That is still to be determined, but I could definitely see Sam Witwer being the guy in the booth recording the dialogue for Merrick as he is helmeted. All right. While Ahsoka flies toward the Eye of Scion, Piang is scanning intel on the spacecraft to gain knowledge of it, and suddenly... Ahsoka and crew are hit as soon as Heang's scan is complete. Ahsoka instructs Sabine to run a full diagnostic on the ship as Shin and Merrick approach for the striking blow. Shin kind of pushes back here with Morgan. Like, in these moments I'm sensing some shade being thrown from Shin to Morgan here, too, very similar to how last week Balin was questioning Morgan's methods a little bit. So we're definitely, I I still think we've got a potential turning or clashing at least between this trio, between Balin shin versus Morgan. I think at some point there's going to be like a have-it-out session to where they uh, share their differences for sure. Well, Ahsoka puts on a spacesuit to take on the fighter's blast with her lightsabers. She takes one of them out as she then starts floating in space, and Sabine fixes the ship and picks Ahsoka up just before Shin or Merrick can take advantage of the situation. Now, Ahsoka floating in space like that, number one, as far as the character doing that, super cool. Ahsoka going out in space, deflecting spacecraft from a ship with her two sabers flipping and jumping and doing all the cool Jedi stuff. Sign me up. I love that. I love that. I do think if I had a criticism of this episode, I just don't think we have quite as Star Wars figured out how to portray that in live action to a T. As far as like when characters go out in space, something about it just throws me off a little bit. And that may just be me. I may be alone on that one. I may not be. You can let me know. That's just how I felt. Again, awesome moment for sure. I just feel like sometimes... Just as a franchise, we haven't quite figured out how to fully capitalize on that. And I'm not a director or or a, a cinematographer or anything like that, so I can't even pretend to act like I know what I'm talking about or pretend to say, okay, this is what you need to do to make this look better. I'm just saying I think that, I think there's got to be something out there to make that just look a little bit more smooth and a little bit more compelling. Again, that's just my personal take. Very small criticism. Like, literally, that might be the only criticism I have of this entire episode. But I loved it. Again, on paper, and the concept of what that, that moment is for our Ahsoka character, phenomenal. So cool. And literally, when it happened, I was like, oh, snap. I was like, is she about to do this? Like, I was grinning ear to ear. I loved it. I absolutely love that. Anyway, here we go. Where are we at? Okay, so Sabine fixed the ship. She picked up Ahsoka, which, by the way, some funny dialogue here. Like she's like floating in the air and she's like, great, you fixed the ship. Now come and pick me up or something like that. Good stuff. Good stuff. Make me smile, Star Wars. If you're making me smile, I'm having a great time. Ahsoka and Sabine, we're we're continuing on here. Anyway, Ahsoka and Sabine fly into the atmosphere of Setos and come upon Purgle as Shin and Merrick continue their pursuit. But Sabine is able to shake them using the Purgle as distraction and cover. Okay, again. If you have not seen Rebels, these Purgle are capable of shooting off into hyperspace. They travel through all the hyperspace lanes and they connected very heavily with Ezra in Star Wars Rebels. And those Purgle are the ones that latched onto the Star Destroyer that Ezra and Thrawn were in. And they jumped off into hyperspace in the Rebels finale. And that's how they are missing. And that's how, assumingly, they made it to this beyond, this new beyond galaxy or this unknown galaxy that we have yet to go to, a.k.a. this Peridia location. So that is why these Purgle are so important. And I believe at the end of this episode, heang shares some very vital dialogue regarding those Purgle and their ability and why it's so important that they're there. So I'll save that for later, but I will say I thought the look of these pergle and the ship flying the ships rather flying around them looked great and played very well. I was well pleased with the use of this. Actually, I got chills when I was looking at those pergle in live action. They look stellar. I'm glad they went with the more gray look. Rather than the more blue look that they've gotten rebels, it made it look a lot more compelling, interesting, less animated, more serious kind of thing. Instead of like, oh it, it used to be a running joke. Oh, the space whales, woo. Like it used to be something that, that people would kind of make fun of here and there. But uh, nah, not me. Purgle were always cool to me. I absolutely adore the Purgle. Anyway, continuing on, Ahsoka recommends they land since the ship is in really bad shape as Heang awakens back up, but they cut the power as soon as they land in an attempt to stay hidden. Shin and Merrick fly by, unable to find them, so they decide to regroup as they believe our heroes are hiding in the forest, and Ahsoka decides to cut the power back on. That's the last time that we see Shin or Merrick in this episode, so I'm assuming next week we're going to potentially see them in the forest fighting both Ahsoka and Sabine. That is a shot that we've seen in the trailers. We've seen in the trailers, in this same frame, you could see Ahsoka fighting Merrick, and then in the distance, you could see Sabine fighting Shin, or it may have been the other way around, where Sabine and Shin were in the main ground of the shot, and then in the background, it was Ahsoka and Merrick, but regardless, I think that's coming next week then. If they're regrouping, I think they're going to go out with those soldiers to hunt down these quote-unquote Jedi, as Balin says. Um, I think that's coming. I think that's coming. All right, next up, Sabine shares that she hasn't seen Pergil since the, since the day Ezra disappeared, and I've already kind of alluded to that. Next up, Hyang, and this is the very important dialogue. Hyang, referring to the Eye of Scion, shares the enemy vessel is still under construction with the final hyperdrive being installed. I'm assuming that's the one that they just took from Corellia in last week's episodes. And that it will have the power to travel to another galaxy with a hyperspace jump of astonishing speed and distance if one knows the coordinates and navigation. Now, Clearly, we know our villains do know the coordinates and navigation because of the map, because of the star map that they've opened. They've seen the pathway that it takes to get to Paredia, so the villains have a leg up currently. They've got the equipment. They've got the coordinates. They've got the pergol to help them track the dis- like, like track the, the uh, path. They've got it all. They, they Everything they've got squared away, at least at the moment. So anyway, backtracking here. Let me make sure that I'm hitting this quote. Another gal. So so this has the power to travel to another galaxy with a hyperspace jump of astonishing speed and distance. If one knows the coordinates and navigation, we touched on that, which the Jedi archives speak of intergalactic hyperspace lanes between galaxies, which used to follow the migration paths of star whales named. Purgle. So there you go. There's the explanation of why these Purgle are so important. Now, very interesting here. Dave Filoni trolling us all. Dave, you know we've been calling these things Space Wells since you introduced them back in Star Wars Rebels. And suddenly you're telling me that we have to reference them as Star Wells. I'm sorry, Dave, but I'm not changing my name. It's Space Wells, and it's Space Wells Forever. And I'm going to take that to the grave. Sorry, Filoni, but that's just how it's going to be. That's just how it's going to be. But I really love this dialogue. I really love this insight. And I feel like, again, even though I've seen Rebels, I feel like I learned stuff from this dialogue. I feel like it was very vital as far as even me understanding the story. So I feel like this episode really gave me comfort about my worry for fans that hadn't seen Rebels. I think, I think. I can speak for the non-Rebel viewers. If you're listening to this and you haven't seen Rebels, I think it's safe to say that you're going to be just fine because things that were inside this episode that could have gotten very, as I called it last week, very inside baseball, where if you're really in tune with Star Wars, you would have gotten it, and if you're not, you would be completely lost. This week had a lot of moments that could have been very inside baseball, but they handled it perfectly. And I really do truly think that if you haven't seen Rebels, you are not lost one bit. And if, if you haven't seen Rebels and you're actually lost and you have no clue what's going on, then let me know. Because then that means I have a total misread on it. But that's my current read. It seems like they know what they're doing here. And maybe maybe this is where it's good that Filoni has like Favreau in his back pocket. Because I highly, highly suspect that John Favreau hasn't seen every single episode every single episode of Rebels, but but maybe he has. So, who knows? But uh, I definitely think that they are handling that to a T. And then last thing that occurred in this episode, and this is our only moment with the best villain so far of the series, in my opinion, Balin. Balin orders soldiers to hunt the Jedi down who have taken refuge in the forest. And yet again, great score here. Great, eerie score to allude to Balin's conflict within him, potentially. So, that's where we end this week's episode of Ahsoka. I tweeted this out. So, by the way, if you haven't followed on Twitter, at MandoTalk, go ahead and and click that link that's down in the description. Follow me there if you want more. uh, Just discussion, really, from me. Follow me there. Anyway, on Twitter, I gave this a ranking. So, what? Episode 1, I said it was 9.5 out of 10. Episode 2, I said 9 out of 10. I would say this one's a good 8.8. That, that's what I tweeted out. Yeah, I'm getting really uh, nitpicky there with the numbers, but 8.8. I deducted it at .2 because of the space flipping. That again, I just feel like Star Wars hasn't quite figured out how to shoot that yet. Again, on paper, great for our character Ahsoka, but just something about it. It's just maybe a little goofy. A little goofy for me. At least that's my take. Anyway, there we go. There's the episode. Episode 3, Breakdown. I, again, really enjoyed it. I think we're in safe hands. Dave Filoni gets it. He is the Padawan. He has officially, in my opinion, become the master of Star Wars. He is the next man up after George Lucas, and he is nailing it. And I cannot wait for next week. So, Next week, make sure you stay tuned. Make sure you're subscribed on whatever platform that you are currently hearing this on, whether that be YouTube, whether that be Apple Podcasts, whether whether that be Spotify. Make sure you hit those buttons, hit the bell, hit the likes. And again, do me a favor, especially if you're on those podcast platforms. Make sure you give me five stars because it really helps with the algorithm. It gets it out there more for that way. That way, more people join us, and we just get bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, And I would greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate that. All right. I've rambled enough. It's time for me to get out of here. I hope you enjoyed the episode, and I will catch you next week. Until next time, as always, we have spoken.